One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, I'm Billy Munger. And hi, I'm Johnny Herbert. And welcome back to Lift the Lid, the podcast that takes you flat out around the world of Formula One. Yes, it does. Johnny. Yes. This week, we're back post-Spa race weekend. Yes, we are. Firstly, what do you make of the race? I won't go straight into predictions, you know, let's no, start off with the race itself. Okay. Well, I think one man just showed that he is just far, far better than anybody else at the present time it is quite mind-bogglingly scary how good max was again you know starter only down in sixth this time around uh but it was his patience he had so much patience to get himself in that position and of course then i suppose going into the weekend we were hoping mclaren who did okay in the in the sprints uh and the qualifying as well and then it just didn't materialize again i think they just got the strategy completely wrong as far as the the weather was concerned. They were ex- expecting the the rain to come. And then I have to say, it was nice to see Ferrari doing, you know, a competitive job as well. Okay, we did mention Ferrari there, so I do feel like that is the perfect time to mention <laughs> Why did I say that? I think I did very well to, to hold off as long as I have, you know, a whole couple of minutes before <laughs> we bring up the fact <laughs> that... I'm surprised you took that long to, yeah, to, to, that's to what bring I mean. it up. I think that was very patient from me. Yeah. So, uh... Would you want to tell everyone at home your podium from your predictions, what you predicted? Okay. Yeah. Well, I've got uh, Max Sergio. Got those right. Uh, then I got Lewis. Yeah. I uh, didn't quite get that right. Didn't quite get it right. Damn you, Lewis. So he was fourth when it was Charlie was third. Yeah. And uh, so uh, over to you, uh, Billy. Over to me. Yeah. Uh, I- Max happened to win. Of course, he did. I projected uh, Checo to come second. I believe he was in second too. Yeah. And third, that red card that, you know, I've been so desperate to get on my driveway, <laughs> driven by Charles Leclerc, bringing up the podium in third. First, second, and third, right. That is two weeks in a row yes. that one of us got the entire podium in the correct order. Right. Yeah, it's good. I get, we seem to be getting better at this. <laughs> 
I think, you know, we could have a job in the world of F1, mate, at this rate. You know, we're starting to pick up some good momentum, yeah, aren't we? we? Have, well, we've seen Max sort of dominate it, you know, with those eight straight wins. Now it's our turn after the summer break to get these predictions spot on for the rest of the season. Now I'm really putting myself under pressure. Oh. <laughs> you have indeed. But well, we have had a little predictions tally, oh, haven't we? Have. we? We'll get that later yeah, okay, in the episode good, good. to fill everyone in on the, the scores up to now. But basically, we've put a little bit of a system together that kind of keeps everyone at home that's, you know, keeping up to date with how we're getting on, uh, gives them a little bit of a point score so they can see who's doing better than who. But we won't we won't mention that just yet. Nope. Let's, uh, let's get back into to the actual race <laughs> weekend then, Johnny. Let's get into Spa. I want to start off with a driver who's gone a little bit under the radar um, after the last few races because... You know, you mentioned Lewis Hamilton. You put him third on the podium in your predictions. He ended up finishing fourth. But George Russell, he's um, yeah, it's been a bit of a mixed bag for him in the last few races. Do you think this summer breaks come at the right time for George? Well, in some way, it's really interesting. Actually, it was when I was driving back to to do this uh, podcast, this latest latest lift I did. I was talking to my wife about it, and it's we're both sort of surprised how there was that change from that little update that they did, that it suddenly just completely went in the direction of, of Lewis. And it's George who's been on the back foot. And you say, is it the perfect time, you know, for this break? Well, in many respects, yes. But it's how George goes away to try and find the fix. That's going to be the tough thing. Yeah, what is the fix, what is I the guess, fix? for George Russell? Yeah, exactly. You know, because everything he's done since he's coming to Merck, you know, it's impressed us all, hasn't he? And that's been clear to see with the results that he's done the pressure that he's put on Lewis, the ability to beat Lewis as well, especially when he got the, that sort of sprint race win in, in Brazil. Um, and then the race itself, he did a brilliant job, of course. Um, but it's just somehow sort of gone a little bit awry. Now, what is that? You know, the only experience I've got is when I was with Michael Schumacher, where everything was sort of aimed at Michael. Now, I know it's changed a lot. That sort of doesn't really happen. Flavio Briatore gave everything Michael... Michael wanted but of course the teams are very very aware that they've got to have both drivers that can do the job and get those um, as many points as they can but they want them to be close together they want them to finish behind each other that's the whole sort of idea that they have and of course that's not quite happening at the moment but Lewis seems to be the one it, it comes across to me I don't know about you Billy but it's almost like he's he's starting to lead the team again and he's starting to move it in a direction that he's going to work for Lewis, okay, it's not winning at the moment, but they're a lot more competitive than 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 they were. So I don't know if it's that. Yeah, they definitely seem to be moving in general when it t- comes to the actual car itself. That seems to be moving in the right direction, like you said, Johnny, because they seem to be more competitive. But with that, you know, more competitive car that Lewis is able to actually make competitive at the minute, yeah. George isn't able to be as competitive as he was when maybe the team was struggling a little bit yeah. more where they sat the pecking order. So... It's a bit of a confusing one at the minute for, you know, everyone watching at home. But you'd have to say that I guess the last few tracks in general have been Lewis strong circuits. You know, Silverstone Lewis always goes well at Hungary. He's got yep. a great track record there. Yep. Uh, but I guess even his run stretched a little bit earlier than that as well. I'm Did. thinking Canada as well. Yep. You know, that was another one where Lewis, you know, edged out George. George had a bad weekend in Canada. So... It's kind of a hard one, isn't it? I guess if you're in George's position as a driver, 
you want that break to come in a lot of ways like you mentioned so you can you know figure out look at the data figure out where things have you know slipped and where you've lost that performance but equally i'm sure if you offered george a race next week for him to be able to get his teeth straight back into it and to try and bounce back quickly he'd probably take that as well so it's a bit of a 50 50 split in a lot of ways isn't it yeah it is and uh you know it's you know he's been looking at the data for the last sort of three or four races anyway so looking at it a little bit more in a break you know can you look at it a little bit more in depth well you do that anyway so it's not really going to be any different for him it's just trying to figure out what lewis is doing and is able to get the best from it but we've we've seen did you ever have that with michael johnny Mm. sorry that's right but did you ever have that with with michael where you know you look you the races are coming thick and fast you're looking at data all the time you're seeing you know where someone like michael's got the edge and advantage over you and did you sometimes think that you know having a few weeks off and almost forgetting about it and coming back you know a little bit you know refreshed do you think sometimes that can benefit you more than sort of you know almost over-obsessing over the fine details. Yeah, I, I think the problem is, and I've, again, I experienced it around that time, is when you, yes, you have a... We didn't have breaks, obviously, back in those days, but there was a little bit of a gap between one one race and the other. So there was that time to sort of have a little bit of downtime, let's say, and then hopefully, you know, when you yeah. came back, you'd be refreshed and you'd be rejuvenated, you'd be motivated. But the problem is you you have all those feelings you come back into that same team into that same cockpit with that same steering wheel and then you have michael on the other side of the garage doing his bit you then get that little tv monitor that's then placed and plonked on top of your monocoque you look at it and you're back to the same position you were before before that little sort of break that, that you've even got. even refreshing yourself, it was the same it's the outcome. the same outcome because you still hadn't figured it out and you could figure it out. I never, I never ever figured it out with what Michael did and that just shows that, you know, these guys have that something a little bit extra that allows them to find something that gets the best out of the car. Now, is that what George is going through? It's confusing in some ways because obviously we saw how strong he was last year for example at the beginning of this season so you don't just lose that that ability to do that you don't lose that natural skill but there is something else maybe lost a little bit of hunger i think, think you know hunger. when he came the way i look at things is you know when george came into mercedes he was came he was coming from williams and yeah so even though mercedes was struggling it was a huge upgrade for him a huge opportunity and he embraced it and he thrived and then you just wonder whether he's maybe hit that sort of patch of form where, you know, he's kind of got used to the car being what the car is in the last couple of seasons. Uh, and maybe that, that little bit of an edge that he had initially when he jumped into the team, now he feels a bit more settled, has it's disappeared. I can't really personally see that. That's not a viewpoint no, that I, I agree. share. No, I agree with you. No. Just, I just raised the question over... You know, whether that is at all a factor. Yeah, well, I was going to say no, but you've already sort of, yeah, you've been saying the same thing about your own question. But yeah, it's it's something that you, you always motivate. You're always going to push yourself. And there are going to be occasions. You're not going to beat your teammate, unless you're Max Verstappen, but you're not going to beat your teammate every single time you, you go onto the circuit, generally, generally. Um, but then there are those occasions where there is a little bit of a string of results which Lewis is on at the moment, and he hasn't been able to get close enough. And I suppose you have your own, you know, we have we have our own expectations when we're behind the cockpit and that and having that steering wheel in our in our hands. 
and there is sometimes an element of frustration that comes into play just because you feel you did a good job, but then you just see that your teammates are able to do that little extra something. And that is where it's very, very tough sometimes uh, for a driver to be able to sort of keep that focus. But I, I do know, and I think we both know, and I think a lot of us know out there as well, that um, when these updates are coming, like they're coming at the moment, sometimes it will favour one over the other. Arguably, we could say the same thing maybe with Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen for the beginning of the season. Yeah, you could definitely say that. Yeah, and then suddenly that evaporated. It's a much bigger gap that we've got now because the race was just mind-bogglingly how he was a second faster than Sergio effectively when he got in front of him and just pulled away for you know over 20 seconds at the end of the race. And, and that's on a long circuit as well. Scary, scary, scary. So, yeah, going back to what we were discussing, there are those occasions where something does favour someone's particular driving style. And then it's then it, as, as we started this, it's trying to then trying to work out. But it's much harder, I think, in this day and age compared to it was in mine, because I think the, the, the differences are very, very small to get that little extra something. Very small indeed. Yeah, very small indeed. And I think, but you have to say the likes of a Max and a Lewis and a, and a Senna and a Hakkinen and a Schumacher, they have that knack. Of being able to do that so so it's surprising i have to say in many respects you know seeing george str- struggle like it is but i you know i still feel deep down that he's still going to be able to get around the the issue that he's got at the moment and i think we'll see the the george of old pushing pushing lewis I hope yeah so. that's what george has got to focus in over the summer yeah. break he'll come back fresh and hoping that he can challenge lewis a little bit more lewis in general we mentioned he's on that sort of purple patch of form He's now overtaken Fernando Alonso in the Drivers' Championship. Yep. So, you know, in terms of the season that Lewis is putting together, he's kind of doing the best of, you know, anyone else out there other than the Red Bulls now. He's put himself into that third position in the Drivers' Championship. So you've got to say that, all things considered, this has been a good year for Lewis so far, considering how dominant that Red Bull is. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely so. Again, you, you can only race against who you're racing around around you and they've sort of been up and down and left and right and up uh, under the ground above the ground through the sky through the ground it's just been a very mixed bag with the way that this yeah. car has been performing it's it's definitely got more stable at the moment i know he was talking about so he talked about stable he was talking about sort of the porpoising has sort of come back a little bit more in in spa so that's a little bit of a concern i suppose um, but then yeah. also on the other foot, yes, he's gone ahead of Fernando, but it's actually Fernando performed better as well after the little problems again with with their the direction that they went uh, with Aston Martin. And I think I think I read um, Fernando sort of saying, yeah, that car felt much more like it did. So so that's going to be interesting to see how that little battle is going to pan out because it's obviously we can see that Ferrari's better with the degradation. We can see that the obviously the Mercedes is better, and of course we've got that Aston Martin looking like they're back to where they were before this little dip in performance. But overall, yes, you're right. You know, Mercedes-Lewis, you know, they have they have done a good job, but it's still the gap between them and the Red Bull. That's the scary thing. That's the real scary thing. Yeah, that's where obviously all the teams will be focused on reducing that gap so that, you know, Red Bull are a realistic, you know, they have some realistic challenges on a week-in, week-out basis because at the minute, they are winning every single Grand Prix. Are they? And, you know, are they? That can be a tad frustrating, can't it, for a fan at home? You know how 
they're dominating so much. But, you know, the likes of Lewis and Alonso will be pushing their teams forward to try and yeah. close that gap down. And you briefly mentioned Ferrari there, mate. The red car, I got it right in my predictions, finally. Yeah. Back on the podium. Charles Leclerc doing the job. Yeah, obviously, pole position, you know, effectively after Verstappen's um, penalty for the start of the sure. race, his grid penalty. But from pole to third, you kind of feel like with how good that Red Bull is, was the best result possible. So Charles, you know, nicer for him, a bit of confidence going into the summer break. I think so. Yes, you know, he was never gonna he was never gonna win that race, and probably in real terms, he was never really gonna finish second. Um, and third was gonna do the best he was gonna get out of it because we we know the domination of of that Red Bull. We've seen Sergio have a little bit of an up and down season. It's got a little bit better, but the gap to Max is still horrendously big. Um, but he still had a, a comfortable performance gain over the Ferrari and Lewis and Fernando, for example. So that's why he, he finished uh, eventually third. So, but it's what was good about it, and I know Charles has sort of been a little bit sort of cagey, sort of saying, I think we have fixed our degradation issue, but let's let's wait and see a little bit more. But it definitely is one hell of a lot better than it was at the beginning of the season because it was mere impossible for Charles to even have a race because he just sort of just got slower and slower and slower. Now performance consistent uh, throughout a race, uh, a race pace that, that yeah, it felt to like do. at the start of the season. Yeah, Charles had a car that over one lap it was quick. Was you know mm. was really quick. Really, and quick. then in the race nowhere. Well, now maybe their ultimate one lap pace is maybe a little bit you know further away than they would like it to be. Yeah, but they've got a more manageable car in the race, so. I think I think that's a better place to build from. Obviously, you know Definitely. the points are scored on Sunday, um, so I'm sure Charles, off the back of you know this weekend in Spa, he he's always been good on a Saturday, hasn't he, Johnny? And obviously, it was a Friday qualifying in Spa, but yeah. he's always been good on over one lap. So I'm sure that even if the car is you know missing a couple of attempts, he will be confident that he can put it high enough up the grid that they can then challenge for some more consistent podiums in the back half of the season. Yeah, well, well, again, it's obvious, isn't it? You know, Sunday, generally, is where the points are, full stop. You know, that you know, you can be as quick as you can like they were earlier on. It doesn't really matter what happens on those qualifying performances. It's what happens on the Sunday. So, but it's a good base, like you said, Billy, from, from Ferrari to be able to now sort of understand a little bit more of what the car is doing with tyres that are actually staying with the driver, staying with the car, keeping that consistency there. And then you can actually work at getting the car better because you can put more and more downforce on, but if you've got a car that chews up its tyres, what's it going to do? Well, it's only going to chew them up that little bit more. So it's it's good now that they have a strong base to be able to, you know, load up those tyres that little bit more to get performance. And then hopefully, you know, they will be able to keep that consistency there. I don't, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't not now see a more, I don't know, a faster Ferrari in the second second part of the season. Because I think they've found a bit of a direction where I think they were a little bit lost prior to this. It's always, it's a tricky part of the season, this, isn't it? Because yeah. we've got so many teams battling behind Red Bull. And another one that, has just been absolutely smashing it recently but this weekend you know was a little bit of a mixed bag was McLaren you yeah know? they're a team that you know have been used to you know scoring some big points you mentioned that you know their Sunday didn't exactly go to plan where Oscar Piastri 
came together down at Turn One with Carlos Sainz, Charles yeah. Leclerc's teammate. What did you think of that? That was a. What did you think of that? Yeah, it was a funny incident, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, that Turn One, it always gets you know. You always have that pinch point at the yeah. apex there, where everyone comes in. It's almost so wide that corner. It invites so many people to try and you know hang it around the outside that eventually, people have you've got a car on your outside, you've got to turn into the corner, and if you're on the inside of that, you're just you know hoping the car outside of you doesn't turn into you. And it kind of just felt that it was sort of three into one. Carlos had to turn in eventually, and Piastri. There was space there initially for him to be there. So, but you he know, wasn't the overtaking. Yeah. It made sense to a point, but then that space disappeared and he didn't kind of anticipate what was sort of going on ahead of up the road. I think he got a little bit too, you know, maybe focused on just Carlos's car and didn't anticipate where the other cars around Carlos would make Carlos's car end up. Yeah, sure. Yeah, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does make sense because you're right. You know, it is is wide going in, and actually Carlos himself was moving quite a lot, and he moved, I think, from the middle of the track right to the left hand side. Then he started to come back to the inside. He locked up, but actually was able to stop enough to going into into the corner. And then Oscar sort of committed, but it was like a half committal, and then it was like a off the brakes roll. Uh, I'd go. Oh, I'm not. Sh- oh, okay. I'm, well, I'm there now. <laughs> but there wasn't really enough for it. I think if he committed much earlier, I think there would have been a very different outcome. I don't think there would have been a sort of a coming together. I think it was just it was so late when eventually he got to almost the side. I wouldn't even say he got really to the side of Carlos. He, he almost got to the side of Carlos. But then Carlos had Lewis on his left-hand side anyway, you know. It was, and I, I read somewhere, I think it was on Autosport, where they sort of, sort of said it's a sort of a, a fifty-fifty, and they were both to blame. And I went, no, you got, you can't just vanish. It's one of these things again. This overtaken, we had the silliness of the decision with uh, Lewis uh, and Sergio uh, the other day, where obviously Lewis got a penalty. It's like they've got to just vanish. Well, you can't. There's no button on the steering wheel that sort of just sort of goes, okay, well I'll move you. 20 metres to the left-hand side, so you sort of, you know, allow the other the other guy to overtake. And then the other thing that frustrates me as well, there seems to be this thing that um, the onus is on Carlos to give the gap. And you sort of go, well, no, you've got, if, if you're there, then you, you have to give a gap because there's a car there. But if there is no car up your side, why have you got to go, oh, well, after you, please go past I, I sometimes I didn't quite understand what it is. So I, if I was going to put the blame on someone, I would say Oscar just got there too late. Yeah, and I think that's where it all that pinch point you were talking about came into play. I, you know, Carlos, I don't know where he was meant to be where, meant to go. He was almost meant to have a spring under the car, push the button, and then he would have jumped over Lewis to get out of the way. That would have been the only way he was going to going to be able to do that. But I think if you commit. I think you put yourself in a much better position to actually overtake someone because they know you're there. Yeah, it did. It did feel like a little bit of a, a risk, maybe too far for Oscar. Yeah, you know, too far. Obviously, back. it's turn one at Spa. Like you say, if you, you know, maybe he kind of thought that the gap's going to be there. I don't need to go gung ho and lock up into Carlos, which is maybe why he didn't yeah. commit as much as he should have. Um, and in doing that, it's almost sort of trying to avoid that lock up crash that we've seen at Spa turn one a few times. He ended up having a crash in a completely different way yeah. by not being enough alongside Carlos to give Carlos no choice to not turn in. So 
a weird a weird crash down at Turn 1. Obviously, that resulted in Oscar obviously not finishing the Grand Prix. Carlos picking up a lot of damage on his car yeah. as well. Um, so that kind of, you know, ruined both their races to a certain extent. Um, and then whilst we're on the topic of McLaren as well, mm. Lando, you know, the, the car really, for me, wasn't set up for the dryer, was it? It was, you know, they chucked a load of downforce on the car. And in a straight line, Lando was a bit of a sitting duck, wasn't he? Yeah, pretty much. But I think we saw it in qualifying, didn't we? Especially with Oscar and, you know, his middle sector was sort of, you know, pretty, pretty mighty, even compared to, to the Red Bull. So again, that was a sign that they are carrying a lot of downforce. Now, a lot of downforce is great. And of course, we all know that, of course, that gives a lot of drag and you're at spa, you have drag, you slow down the straight. And that means that everybody's going to literally blast past you. So you can, you can do it on a, clear track you can actually sort of get away with it but once you're in a in a in a race situation it's a completely different situation did they gain by having more downforce and the degradation was was better well no that didn't seem to come into play either they were just generally just damn slow and i think it was all to do with the straight line speed issue that they had having a little bit too much downforce on it but maybe they decided there was maybe it's worth a risk the rain look, is looking as if it's going to come throughout this weekend. So why let's let's give it a, give it a go. Maybe it was maybe it was just a choice and a bit of a risk that didn't quite pay off for them. Well, I mean, in qualifying, yeah, particularly for the sprint race, Oscar was I think what, just over a hundredth slower than Max in yeah. qualified, nearly got pole position. So you know, if he gets pole position on that sprint race, and then with those mixed conditions that we had, ends up winning the the race. You know, if, that, if those circumstances converted over onto a, a Sunday for the main Grand Prix, then, you know, that's where I guess McLaren maybe were aiming themselves to be, but it didn't pan out that way. No, it didn't. But then you have to say, you know, they had a great res- result on that sprint race anyway. You know, it was really yeah. good to see the performance of Oscar in in a qualifying situation in front of Lando doing a great race uh, in uh, in the sprint. Uh, beating Lando once again. And then, of course... Out-qualified uh, him for both races, didn't he? Both races, yeah. So, again, very, very impressive from that point of view. Are you going to blame the drivers for what happened uh, on the Sunday race? No, of course you're not. Because, obviously, they both had a... They were hampered by the drag issues they had, the straight-line speed issue that they had. And, of course, there was nothing, nothing they could do about that. But it's trying to work together. But all learning. Again, we've got two young drivers in there. Uh, that have that are gaining experience more from Lando, obviously, compared to Oscar. But Oscar's been around for a long, long time uh, in various other formulas, and so you have a very, very good understanding. But together as a team, you know, if if that was the case, as I said, where they went for a, a riskies, where this is going to be possibly a wet weekend, um, you've got to learn from that. Uh, and there are going to be situations. I think it's good though. There's well, a bit of character in the team, well, it doesn't does. it? I'd well, rather. It does. Uh, See a team like McLaren, you know, make those mistakes. Yes, but then I'd throw that back and sort of say the likes of Red Bull don't do that. I know they've got the comfort factor of not being able to do that, but those types of teams won't go in that risky way. And I and I remember even when I was I was racing many many moons ago, you'd always actually set the car up for a dry because you just knew that if it did turn, uh, sorry, uh, uh, yes, for dry. So if it did go wet then you'd have to just deal with it but if it was dry you'd still be sort of way better off for it so yeah i think that makes sense yeah it did make sense right That's we're okay. going to take Good. a uh, a short ad break uh, and on the other side we're gonna just 
mention a few other drivers that had a good weekend before we get into these prediction points and keep you up to date with that. So stay tuned. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. We're going to mention a few other drivers that had some pretty good weekends. A couple of these are mixed, though, and they're the two teammates at AlphaTauri, yeah. Johnny, because Matthew Ricardo, last time out in Hungary, was the talk of the paddock, and he delivered a strong race for AlphaTauri. He didn't quite get points, but, you know, outqualified yeah. his teammate, you know, edged that weekend after being out of the seat for a while. This weekend belonged to his AlphaTauri teammate Yuki Tsunoda who managed to qualify 11th and then bag some points for the team for you know what's felt like a long time since they were in the points so it's been a a bit of a weird couple of weekends for AlphaTauri but both drivers seem to you know be having their moments to shine yeah yeah again uh, I think the the Sunday race was quite interesting because I remember we spoke about what happened uh, before Daniel got in the car in Hungary, which was, well, actually, Sonoda's hasn't done bad this year. He's had a couple of moments where he's qualifying, to call it Q3, has been pretty impressive. And I know the car is not the best race car, but he's had some moments where he's looked very, very good. There was that, there is that um, feeling from my side. Is like, he had Pierre, Pierre was dominating, Pierre's gone, he's come in. He had Nick DeFries. Nick DeFries didn't quite sort of get comfortable with the car. He suddenly goes, oh, well, I'm leading this team now. And he starts to get more confident. He has a couple of those really good sort of Q3s. Um, and I think Daniel coming in, I don't think he was scared of Daniel. Okay, Daniel did very well in Hungary, but it just showed that they, it wasn't Daniel coming in, Sonoda getting beaten, and then mentally Sonoda was gone. Ah, panic, panic, panic. I'm done for. He's come back and he's done another good weekend. Um, so it's it's just to show that Sonoda, I think, has improved. And this is going to be tough for Daniel. It's going to be very, very tough. Yes, we're only talking about two races. It's very unfair from that point of view. But we can only talk about what we what we saw in the race. And Sonoda did a actually a very good race. Was right in the mix all the way through. Did a couple of overtaking moves that, that were very impressive as well. Um, and Daniel, it didn't quite happened for him uh, I, we don't know the whole story of what happened during that race if he did have some issues for example but from what we what we saw you just saw you know Sonoda did a did a great job it's not easy to get to get points but he was able to do it on a track which is always very very hard to do that anyway wet or dry yeah you're right I think Yuki did a great job of 
keeping his composure after Hungary because it would have been easy for him to think, Panic, oh, this yeah. could be, you know, for me, this could be, you know, this realistically, if Daniel Ricciardo comes into that seat and smashes Yuki Tsunoda, his seat in Formula One is potentially, you know, under threat. So a good bounce back from Yuki. There's still a lot of races after this mid-season break to go where Danny Grick, I'm imagining, will be getting more comfortable with a team over this, you know, mid-season break, you know, getting a better relationship with engineers and people that are working within the factory. So Yuki, I'm pretty sure, would be aware that, you know, a highly motivated and refreshed Daniel Ricciardo post, you know, mid-season break is still going to provide him with a lot to do in terms of being that number one driver in the team. Yeah, the, the interesting thing is with the mental side of 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 being near the cockpit of a Formula One car, the break would have been the the best time to come for Daniel after Hungary, wouldn't it? It's yeah. weird how that worked because actually, it, as then that would have played on right, Yuki's now mind. Now it's flipped. It? Now it's actually Yuki going into the the break, going ah. I've got you, Daniel. And now it's Daniel who's actually sort of got to rethink how he sort of resets himself again. So, yeah, it's fascinating how it sort of it can twist, you know, quite quickly, like it has in the last two races for, for both of those drivers. So, be, again, it will be fascinating to see exactly who will come out on top in the second part of the season. And another team who had a mixed weekend, but a driver who, you know, excelled particularly in the sprint race. Yeah. A certain Pierre Gasly, Indeed. you know. What a result from him, you know, to finally get, you know, a podium with his new team. Okay, he's in a sprint race, but there's that, you know, what do you think that's going to do for his confidence and, you know, his standing within the team? Because so far this season, Esteban has, has had that upper hand of him across when you look at the points scored, but it's a, yeah. it's a strong result for Pierre. Yeah, well, I think if we go back to the beginning of the season, they were stronger, but the guy who was getting actually the results was Esteban, and it was Pierre who was struggling a lot to get comfortable with a car and it does it does vary some drivers just jump in and they're sort of straight up up to speed straight away and others it takes a little bit of time for them to sort of get comfortable with a car maybe a little bit more comfortable with the team um and Pierre it's taken a bit longer but he has got closer and closer and he's got more competitive and then yesterday he did a great a great race you know very consistent was under pressure didn't crack with that pressure I know he's a race winner that that obviously helps but um yeah, we, we can see that there are glimpses that that, that uh, Alpine can be quick enough to sort of get itself into the points uh, in, a, in a nice amount of points. But it is a little bit up and down and all over the place. And then you saw what happened on Sunday. You know, it was Esteban who actually got himself again uh, into those points with, with an eighth place. So, so both drivers, I suppose, are doing the best job they can in a car that I would say is probably not the easiest car to get comfortable which then enables you to sort of get a result out of it so it was good to have a, a sprint race result and of course a podium is fantastic but also to get finally on the grand prix weekend itself uh get an eighth place uh, at the same time but it's again it's really really interesting to see esteban seems to be very happy in the team of course he's been there much much longer but it's pierre who's getting stronger and stronger and I think he will be a more of a threat, especially in the second half. I think this break will probably be a good thing for him, actually, to be able to sort of just have a, have a little look back at what happened at the beginning of the season when he's actually started to come good, have that good sprint result, and then actually sort of, I don't know, maybe just sort of think about it in a slightly different way, be a little bit more refreshed uh, coming back in the second part. So, But Esteban's not someone who's a very easy pushover, that's for no, sure. No, he's definitely not. He's had a... 
he's had it hard with a few teammates in the past. He's been up against some experienced <laughs> vets and, you know, at Alonso's, you know, Checo when uh-huh. he was, you know, I think in more Force India days, yep. they were, you know, a little bit, they you were know, banging. Bitter rivalry, <laughs> you know, banging yes. wheels and stuff. So he's aware of the games and how Formula One works, Esteban. So I don't think it'll be, uh, you know, we'll be seeing him crack anytime soon. But yeah, for Pierre, a nice, you know, way to go into that summer break. Well, I think that's everything we've got when it comes to the race, babe. You know, we've talked about a lot of the teams and a lot of, you know, the stories from Spa and who who's kind of doing what going into this summer break. And before we head into that summer break, let's just give everyone at home this update on our prediction points. Hello. How that system Hello, the line's gonna gone. Work. Hello, the line's gone down. The line's gone. It's gone down. Don't worry, Johnny. <laughs> So we've Go gone on, back man. through all the predictions we've made, first, second, and third for all the main Grand Prix, Johnny. We've put them in yeah. list, and for every driver we've got right, and they've got to be in the right position. So if we've called for Stappen to win the race and he has won the race, you get a point. So we've gone through all the races, we've tallied up the points, and do you want to let everyone at home know who's on what points, me and you, up to this mid-season break oh well i will do well you chose verstappen to win every single race that was a very good choice i tried to do what the fans what the lift and live fans wanted to see wanted to see someone else challenge you know for that for that podium but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go on on this one because obviously i went for charlie cloak uh once and fernando alonso i went as well completely ridiculous <laughs> choice from my side because that game completely wrong Every time I did that, obviously, uh, you won because Max obviously sort of generally went on to win. I think, actually, you know, there's probably a surgery there. Uh, yes, there was in, in yeah, Edda, for yeah, example. I've only... Uh, I'm, I'm I've, still talking. I'm still talking. Um, and then from the rest of the choices that I've done, again, I've done the things that I think ex- uh, that, that it expected from our Lift the Lid uh, fans out there to try and just mix, mix the grid up. So basically... Um, it's 17 to you and 13 to me. I'm up for the minute, mate. I'm up for the you minute. You are ahead. I've had two Ugh. correct podiums. The first race of the season and the last one in the summer break. Yep. I got right. You obviously got hungry. You smashed that one. Put yep. Ando and Checo on the podium. Yeah. Uh, and we've, apart from getting those right, we've had the odd sort of podium sitter in second and third right along with yeah. Dappen. You know, I've put Hamilton and... The clerk a couple of times in there and got those right. You've put Lando in there and yeah. earlier in the season. So I think our predictions are slowly but surely getting better. Um, but at the minute, I have got the upper hand. So, you know, what are you going to do in this mid-season break? You know, where's the, the studying, the books going to come into play to get you back where you need to be on top? Uh, a lot of sim work uh, to try and sort of understand. I'm going to drive every single car in the sim to understand exactly what that car is doing. So I will then have a better opportunity to know to different tracks that we go to uh, to sort that one out. I've got to ramble once again. Uh, and then secondly, um, it, I, tell you what, I tell you what has been very, very interesting doing this, Billy. It has been damn difficult because it's not been simple. It's been very simple with the Red Bulls, effectively, although Checo's had a bit of an up and down up and down time. But the rest of the packs, like the beginning of the season, Aston Martin, Aston Martin, and then that suddenly disappeared. Ferrari a little bit at the beginning on those one lap qualifying laps. Races struggle a little bit more. Then they sort of disappeared as well. Um, and then we had the the Mercs in the same thing. They weren't didn't start very strong, and now they've come back. So it's been really mixed the whole way through the first part of the season. So it's been 
fascinating actually doing it. There's been a couple of sort of out there choices, more from my side, I have to say. Yeah, I'd say looking at yours, you have gone for more out there choices. But I've put Checo and Leclerc second in my predictions behind Max on a lot of occasions. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, you have. Only I've only had one other than that, and that was an Alonso back in Baku that I said was going to finish second. Other than that, it's either been Leclerc or Checo. And Checo makes sense. You know, that's logical. You know, that Red Bull Checo should be coming second or being in the mix. And how many times have I got Checo right in my predictions? Twice. Yeah. Twice out of however many races we've had now, I, he's yes. happened. Other than that, I've got it wrong. So maybe I'm going to have to rethink that. Maybe Checo is not such, you know, a dead set to finish second in every Grand Prix. No, I, I, I don't think he is. No. And again, we go back to the season. Remember Fernando Alonso, you know, he was on the podium sort of consistently right at the beginning of the season. He nearly, nearly won a race in Monaco. And then that's where I thought, actually, this is, they're getting more competitive. I know it's Monaco, but it was, they're getting more competitive. A little bit of an update sort of come their way. And then the, I remember the next race, I think, I think I'm right in saying, yeah, the next race, I went Fernando to win. No, you went Fernando to win in Monaco. Oh, no, Fernando in Monaco. Sorry, I did get that right the other way. And then it was after that. Sorry. Yes, so then it all went a bit pear-shaped Because Alonso after that. didn't win in Monaco and you predicted him to, you, you felt a little yes. dumb by and put him on the podium after that for a little while. Yeah, sorry. But then it sort of evaporated. Yeah. Didn't it? We thought they were going to be sort of, you know, really on the march. And then it suddenly sort of disappeared after that brilliant performance in Monaco itself. I didn't realise it I actually chose in there. That was the, that was a little bit out there as well. <laughs> You're surprising yourself with your predictions. That I, you... t- I, cer- I certainly am. Certainly am. But it's been fascinating because it's been really, really difficult. The pack behind the two red balls. It's been up and down like a yo-yo. I don't know about you, Johnny, but I've got a feeling they're not going to make it any easier for us in the second half of the season because we are going to probably nope. see... More upgrades, you know, more confusion, more of a mixed bag with who's, you know, the next best behind the Red Bulls. But let's see, let's see. You know, that's where we're currently at with our predictions for everyone tracking us at home. I'm on 17 correct positions on the podium so far. Johnny's got 13. So Yes, I've told everybody. Johnny, I was just trying to help you out, mate. But really, what I want to say is, you're done for, mate. (laughs) Yeah, you have a little little rest uh, in this little break because I'm going to come back mighty strong, Billy Boy. Well, I'm looking forward mighty. to that, mate. Looking forward to it. Thanks to everyone again for, you know, tuning in to the Lift the Lid episodes. Hope you've been enjoying us and our commentating and punditry skills that we're trying to Woo! bring in the first half of the season. There's plenty more to come for the back half. So uh, for this episode, post-spa, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Take care, guys. This is a Soapbox London and SBX Studios production. Our executive producers were Rowan Wilkinson and Andy Bell. (laughs) 